If Adam would pray for us, Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Terry, I'm, I'm on duty. What about uh, you? Jesse, I'm on duty. We're two evangelical Catholics with PhDs in common sense, and common sense ain't that common. Today's show, Jesse, a lot of good to know file information, but we're also going to talk about six pro uh, rover arguments on how to refute them, okay? So this is important for us to know that. Also, this is a fascinating topic. How common are near-death experiences? You'd be going to be surprised to the answer to that. Also, this is a fascinating topic, and we've been talking about Bill Gates and Fucci and Fauci and all these guys. Gates has uh, funded research that has created a bird flu virus capable of becoming the new COVID-19, and we want to warn you on that also, and much, much more. They will not, Terry, these globalists yeah, will not, not stop no. until they kill as many people as possible. That's their end game. That's right, Jess. And our end game is to get you to heaven, okay? Yes. There's the difference. <laughs> their end game is to make as much money as possible. And guess what? When they croak, I'm sorry, Jesse, for being crude. When they die, because all of us are going to die, they can't take anything with them. But when we have our exit interview... That's the only thing that matters. What did you do for Christ? And were you able to live out the gospel? Because that's going to be the criteria to getting to heaven. Jess, before we get into these topics, and we know you've got some good-to-know-file issues too, let's get the... uh, Let's get the gospel. Let's get some soul food in our soul right now, brother. Very short gospel today. Mm -hmm. John chapter 15, verses 9 to 11. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father loves me, so I also love you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, Mm -hmm. you will remain in my love. Yep. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy might be in you. And your joy might be complete. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ today reveals uh, an awesome reality that uh, he loves us the very way that the Father loves him. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yep. And, and what God first concerned himself with remains the main desire, which is what? It's... Uh, it's acquiring a people for his name. And this is why Christ is begging us to remain in my love. How do we do that? He told us. Mm. By keeping his commandments. That's it. Why? If you love me. Because the commandments, what they do, it saves us from ourselves. That's why God gave us commandments. It's like guardrails. They, the commandments save us from our own fallen nature, because now we have guidelines. The commandments also save us from the destructive forces of egoism and also the culture of death, the falsehoods from the culture of death. St. John Paul II, he commented on this passage. He said, quote, To keep the commandments is to be faithful to our deepest aspirations. Mm. Close quote. What are our deepest aspirations? As a... Uh, Uh, St. John of the Cross says, uh, at the end of our life, we will be judged by love. At the end of our life, we will be judged by love and how we loved. And so the commandments, God didn't give us the commandments to 
ruin our life because, you know, like he wants us to have a boring <laughs> life. No, the commandments are a way that God gave us. It teaches us to live within reality Yep. because the only sure way that we can live within reality and have this joy that he talks about, which is internal, not external. External joy is called, you know, could be happiness or titillation, you know, or liver quiver. No, the joy that comes from knowing Jesus and believing in his promises mm. of eternal life, that's inner. And you can be locked up in a prison like Peter or Paul or the other apostles. You can be, you know, uh, martyred in the Roman Colosseum. And they can take away your happiness, but they can't take away your joy because joy comes from knowing who you belong to and knowing him by name. Well said, Jesse. I have a quote by the smartest guy in the room, Archbishop Sheen, so bring it Full Sheen ahead, as it says behind me. Jesse, I've never shared this one on the air or with you. It's a new one by Sheen. It's on democracy and communism. He says... Uh, democracy today finds it hard to make up its mind on what is right. <laughs> Boy, this guy sounds like he's talking right now. Mm. Communism, on the contrary, has made its mind up on what is wrong. All its passions are devoted to evil. Why don't you really tell me what you think, Bishop? Mm. Leadership in democracies cannot come out of the ashes of spineless indifferentism. Oh, he's hitting it. When more get mad... Not because they lose money, but because right is ignored and wrong enthroned. Then the fires will come back to democracy. Fires which will burn like beacons summoning men to a finer and better world. Amen. Jesse, that guy, I, I, I was just with Bishop Strickland Tuesday. and He said to me, you know, every time I read Fulton Sheen, it seems like he's alive in our time. He's like, what he's saying is like, it relates so well to what we're experiencing in 2022. Amen. You know, just how Re- it is. Ruben, I got a, uh, I mean, Terry, I got a piece of advice for a lot of good people that have been emailing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good Catholic men yeah. have been with, with a lot of zeal going out there mm-hmm. to these rallies. Yes. But a lot of these guys have been getting beat up. So let me give you a piece of advice. Yes. Okay. If you're going to go out to a rally and there's a bunch of pro boards there, Number one, don't go by yourself. A lot of emails that people send to me, and they're saying, I went out, I saw this pro-abortion rally, I had my sign, I pulled my car over, I got out there with my rosary, I went out there, and I got beat up. Or got, <laughs> you know, j- punched and stuff and kicked. Yeah. Um, so, number one, I respect your zeal. God bless you for your having that, that apostolic zeal. But also there's a thing called prudence. That's right. And remember, remember that, what, what are we expected to do? We're expected to be holy according and do our daily duties according to our state in life. Mm. I'm, a fa- I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. Okay. I'm called to be holy in those three offices. Right. Now, if I have an opportunity to go pray in front of an abortion clinic, I should, I sh- should probably do that. But that's not mandated. And especially if you're going to go out there, like I went this weekend and I text a bunch of guys. They all jumped in my truck. We all went out there. Don't go by yourself right now if you're going to go pray in front of abortion clinic. Even Jesus Christ sent people two by two. For a reason. Yeah, right now, remember, just use prudence. I know a lot of you guys have a lot of zeal, and that's good. God bless you. But be prudent also because 
you're you're no good to your family, to your wife, to your kids and your grandkids if you're at home with two broken legs, you know, and, and a cracked skull. You're no good to anybody. That's right. So remember, we're called to be holy according to our daily duties, according to our state in life. If you can do anything beyond that, that's great. But don't put yourself in harm's way, especially when you have people that need you. Well, good advice, Jesse. I've got some more interesting things to share with you here on Good to Know Files. South Carolina bans transgender people from women's athletes. Awesome. And this is taken right from South Carolina's governor, happens to be a Republican. He signed into law the Save Women's Sports Act, which requires that student athletes from the middle school through college complete on sports teams according to legal sex assigned to them at their birth certificate. It's kind of funny, Jesse, that we make that this is big news. Can you imagine when we were um, young guys in sports? Uh, you know, can you imagine that they would say something about, hey, uh, uh, we got a transgender woman you're going to uh, fight against? Or, um, hey, the guy that plays second base as a shortstop is a woman. Uh, it just wouldn't happen. It sounds so odd. It just seems that we've gone so crazy that these stories we have to bring up would never even be thought of. Uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago. That's right. Uh, here's the quote of the day, by yeah. the way. This is made by Clay Travis. He said, Disney's favorability rating has gone from 77% to 33% awesome. in a single year. Wow, that's really tanked. This is Woo. why the Disney company is trying to appeal to the entire country, uh, but they shouldn't get involved in politics. They try and make Twitter happy, and then they crush their brand. So that's good news. Yeah. Here's, this, here's a statement from Elon Musk. This, this is shocking the country. Okay, let's hear it. Elon Musk said, quote, I have never, I have, I might, he says, I might never have voted for a Republican. This election, I will. Elon wow. Musk. Wow. Okay. I, I might never have voted for a Republican. This election, I will. Just tweeted that. One more. The Biden administration pauses their disinformation board. Uh, they're disbanding it before the, it actually comes to fruition. Why? All kinds of widespread public backlash. The Biden administration recently announced the disinformation governance board mm. will not, N-O-T, not, not be moving forward following a torrent of public scrutiny. Pushback. Exactly. Over the board's potential ramifications for free speech and the board's executive director, this feminist uh, uh, leftist ideologue, Nina Jankowitz, she was offered the opportunity to still stay on with the uh, Department of Homeland Security. Who knows if she's going to take uh, the job. But the fact is, the Office of Misinformation is not going to happen. There's a lot of pushback. Great. Hey, when we come back, six pro-row arguments and how to refute them here on the Terry and Jesse Show. I like to say we're too blessed to be stressed. We're too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. This is an important conversation to have. A lot of people are talking with their family and friends and coworkers, 
And everybody's talking about Roe versus Wade. So we want to give you six ways, six pro-Roe arguments and how to refute them because these are the arguments that are used by the left. Let's remember the Roe versus Wade decision is pending. It looks like the Supreme Court is uh, going to uh, overturn this decision, take it back to the states. And uh, the uh, the left, here are six pro-abortion rights arguments that are being used right now in public. And uh, we're going to give them to you in order from the least to the most insulting to women and how to answer them. <laughs> Amen, Jesse. Good so stuff. the first, yeah, go ahead. The first one hit is, it, Terry. Hit it. No, you go ahead, Jesse. Okay, so the first one is, if Roe ends... More women will die. That's what the left keeps saying, that if Roe ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a USA Today article said the following. Staying pregnant is more dangerous than having an abortion, claims sociologist Amanda Stevenson in a recent USA Today article. Talk about what a lie. uh, Talk about a completely false and deceptive. So in other words, what this leftist uh, from the USA Today is saying uh, in other words, that abortion is medically necessary in many cases to save the life of the mother. This is patently false. <clears throat> Pro-abortion rhetoric tries to make you think Roe versus Wade is saving lives because most abortions are about the health of the woman. It's true that Roe itself placed medical necessity at the center of its argument, following or allowing first trimester abortions without restriction, but making second and third trimester abortions contingent on proving threats to the mother's health. But today, we know that only a small percentage of abortions occur because of concerns for the mother's health. How do we know that? Because Planned Parenthood's own research arm, the Guttmacher Institute, concluded as much. In one Guttmacher study by Planned Parenthood, they said only 3% of women sought abortion because of a concern for their own health. And the highest estimates for health of the mother as a reason for the abortion, are at 12%. But that number includes concerns as wildly divergent as cancer diagnosis, morning sickness, and fetal diagnosis. That holds for all three trimesters. The truth is that most abortions in America have nothing to do with the health of the mother. Nothing. The fact is that abortion is never medically necessary to save the life of the mother, And pro-lifers should never concede this assumption. There are procedures that are not abortion, such as preterm delivery, that result in the preterm separation of the fetus from the mother, and thus the unintended death of the child. That's the key, unintended. That's right. The Catholic Church allows these practices. Homework, by the way, research research the, the Catholic concept known as the principle of double effect. But remember, but never the direct termination of the unborn child. And so for more information on saving the life of the mother without resorting to the direct murder of a child, check out this statement from the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Quote, there are times when separating the mother and her unborn child is necessary to save the life of the mother. Even if the unborn child is too premature to live, in those tragic cases, if possible, The life of the baby will be attempted to be preserved, and if not possible, the body of the unborn child is treated with respect, recognizing the human life of the the, the humanity of the life, which is lost in the separation. In contrast, the purpose of an induced abortion is to produce a dead baby. 
healthcare workers and activists who claim abortion is ever necessary for the health of the mothers are promoting lazy thinking, lies, and that's a threat to women's health. Amen to that. Another one that's a fallacy, the forced birth argument. Yeah, really. If you hadn't heard of The Handmaid's Tale before, you now have. Hundreds of pro-abortion demonstrators are claiming that, like the rape of victims in Margaret Allwood's novel, American women will now be forced to bear children of their tormentors for the glory of the fatherland. I've heard that over and over again, but pro-lifers aren't arguing that women should be forced to give birth. American women aren't captive handmaids. In fact, according to the Guttmacher's Institute against Planned Parenthood's own research, our, um, arm rape accounts for less than, are you ready, 1% of abortion cases. Sex is, and here it is, for the vast majority of women seeking abortions, a consensual activity. And sex makes babies. That's how it works. In the normal course of things, a pregnant woman will eventually give birth. Claiming that repealing Roe or passing pro-life laws put women in danger of being forced to give birth, it's not only illogical, it's duplicitous. Okay? In fact, both parents involved have a responsibility. Yeah, dad to care for the human life that results from their intercourse, at least until such a time they can consign the child to the care of adoptive parents. In the same way, our child support laws, which ought to be rigorously enforced, assume that by virtue of engaging in sex, a man is responsible for a child. The woman is responsible for the life she helped create. We actually don't use the word create. It's 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 a... It's co-create. We, we're co-creators with God. Mm, yeah. uh, consent might be uh, uh, complicated by one fact. It's very simple. The unborn child has a moral claim on his mother's body by virtue of its equal human dignity and the fact that without mother's womb, it would certainly die. But within the mother's womb, the child may live and grow to be independent of her body. If a more vulnerable person depends on me, for her very life, then I have a natural moral obligation to sustain her life while I'm able to. Number okay, there is still a high probability that the pregnancy will end in miscarriage, and very small probability that in order to save the life of a mother, preterm delivery will result in the death of the child. The point stands, here comes the big point, direct and lethal violence against the child is a terrible wrong. It's just it's sinful. And never permit it by, never. The, by the Catholic Church That's and right. Holy Scripture. Amen, brother. Here's a fourth one. What about rape? The mm-hmm. leftists will use this oh, one. Oh, they always do. If a woman didn't consent to the sex, the argument goes then she should be able to choose to end the pregnancy that results. But this is false. Why? This is bad moral reasoning. Yep. In this case, we admit that a grave injustice and violence has been done to the woman, which is called rape. And our laws should acknowledge that and our community should support her in her recovery from that trauma. Men who rape women should receive the highest penalty under the law. Uh, castration and penal servitude come to mind. They actually do that in some countries, by they the way. They do. That being said, one grave crime does not give the victim the right to commit another grave crime. <clears throat> as, with forced birth, as with the forced birth argument, pro-lifers should insist that the unborn child, whether a product of consensual sex or of rape, 
has a right to grow in his or her mother's womb until he or she reaches viability, and the woman can, if she wishes, safely entrust the baby to someone else. By virtue of being the parent, regardless of how that pregnancy came about, the biological mother has a responsibility to care for her dependent child who is innocent of any crime. Human beings have a moral responsibility to help the vulnerable. Rape is wrong because a vulnerable, a vulnerable party is attacked by a stronger party. The same moral principle applies with abortion. This doesn't minimize the gravity of sexual assault, but when injustices happen, they are never undone by further injustices. Or as St. Paul says, do not repay evil with evil. You got it. Now here's another one. Just because it's a baby, this argument goes, fine, it's really a baby, but it still has no right to use its mother's body. Some debate strategists have called this strongest argument for abortion rights but it might just be the strongest philosophical argument, meaning it won't make any headlines. Long gone are the days when pro-abortion right activists protested that the embryo isn't really human. Science and ultrasound technology have made that assertion less and less palatable to the average American. That's for sure. Just go watch the silent scream on YouTube. It'll tell you. So now they have changed their tune and will agree that, yes, the embryo, in fact, it's a human being. But then they insist that there are circumstances which it's morally good to terminate, I'll say kill, that person's life. An unborn child doesn't have the right to use the mother's body to stay alive, they argue. So the mother can, in all good conscience, unplug her child. Mm. Are you kidding me? That's so false and misleading. These arguments are very dangerous because they start with what seems like concessions. Sure, the unborn baby's a baby, but in with a horrific conclusion, you can kill dependent people. The truth is that unborn children does not does have they do have a right to his or her mother's womb. See the arguments against forced birth in the cases of rape that we just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're talking about six arguments that we need to know because these are the arguments that the pro boards are using right now. Yep. And this topic is front and center yep. in our culture right now. And it's it's very good uh, it's very good for us again to familiarize oh, yeah. ourselves with the arguments of the left. That's right. Because they 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 don't stand the they don't stand uh they can't stand the scrutiny of common sense. They can't stand the scrutiny of natural law and they can't stand the scru- the scrutiny of sacred scripture. That's right. Yeah, their, their, their arguments are baseless, so it's good for us to know what they say and how to respond. Here's another one, the second argument, uh, second to the last argument they use. They'll say equality with men. The argument <laughs> states from the left this way. Women need abortion in order to be equal to men. If you take away abortion, you're making women into second-class citizens again. Well, that's, this is false and, frankly, very Stupid. insulting. It is. First, in an age where the female, where the male-female binary is under attack by trans activism, it's fascinating that the that the pending ending of Roe versus Wade would inspire a sudden rediscovery of the fact that men and and, and women are different. <laughs> the question isn't really about abortion; it's about how we respond as a society to the fact that men and women have sexual reproductive differences that, try as we might, we just can't make that go away. You think <laughs> the feminisms? 
the feminism of the 1960s decided that through the widespread contraception and unlimited abortion access, America could change that basic fact and eliminate those differences. The theory goes, if we can separate baby making from sex and we can kill off the accidental babies that do pop up every now and then, women could be just like men. Catholic Vote just nailed it with that those last two sentences. Yeah. That's the crux of the entire yeah, argument. Recreational sex. Yeah. Yes. When, 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 when the church, de- when, when society departed yeah. from Pope Paul VI, right. from, from what he taught, which was a longstanding teaching, yep. that, that intimacy has a twofold aspect. It has a unitive aspect and a procreative aspect. Amen. When the 60s rejected that, the consequences of that is now recreational sex and abortion on demand. We'll continue with this article on the next segment. This is Terry and Jesse on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Six ways that you can respond to pro boards right now in the pending Roe versus Wade decision, which God willing is about to uh, is a, is about to be struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court in the next couple of weeks. When we separated the unitive from the procreative aspect of sexual intimacy, yep. now we have sex for fun, or it's called recreational sex, and people walk away, especially men, yep. especially it's 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 caused men to become much more irresponsible. Because they can walk away with no consequences. But the problem is that this kind of thinking puts all the burden back on women. Because sex still makes babies. That's right. And uh, the Guttmacher Institute, the arm of Planned Parenthood, they report that over half of the pregnancies in the U.S. this year will be unintended. Which means that's recreational sex. And when she gets pregnant, the woman, not the man, has to commit an act of lethal violence in order to maintain her equality. She has to make decisions to end her child's life, inject herself with contraceptive hormones, and live with the aftermath of the dead child. Yep. And that's hardly any equality that any woman should desire. But what if, instead, women turned around and demanded chastity from men? Hmm. What if, they, what if they demanded that biological fathers pay their meaningful child support? What if public policies required both the man and the woman who had produced a child to act like parents. The left's proposed equality is anything but, and the result is a whole mountain of dead babies and generations of hurt women. Yeah, Jesse, not only hurt women, it's been statistically shown that these women that have abortions, depression comes in, Mm. suicide at a very high level. You never hear the left talk about the effects of abortion on women. Never. I've never heard them say one word about it. Jess, this next one, you're a minority, you're Hispanic. Come on, Jess, what about the minorities? I want you to talk about that right now. Uh, Vox (laughs) recently covered... This is ridiculous. The Senate's failed attempt to codify Roe nationally and included this little jab. Yeah. Uh, Abortion restrictions have disproportionately harmed low-income people, particularly black and Hispanic who are already less likely to have health care coverage for abortions and who face more obstacles assess accessing alternative options if their states erect barriers. Now, 
This is false <laughs> and most insulting to minority women. It is. This one wins the prize for the most insulting because it assumes that easy access to abortion helps helps under, underserved minorities. It doesn't. Nope. It only offers America's most needy mothers one option. Kill your child. But let's get back to the Vox quote and note the several loaded words in their claim. Vox blithely assumes that restricted access to abortion harms low-income people. They mean women, but they just won't say it. Yeah. Pro-lifers should not concede this point, but turn it around and, and point out that the unlimited abortion license has disproportionately harmed, as in killed, members of the black and Hispanic communities, right. according to the Guttmacher Institute of Planned Parenthood. The abortion rate among black women is five times the rate amongst white women, and the rate among Hispanic women is double that of white women. In New York City, more black babies <coughs> are aborted annually. That's right. It's a fact. Annually than are born. Yep. And there is ample evidence from the history of, of pro-abortion politics and institutions that this is one of Planned Parenthood's primary motives for promoting abortion in the first place. So the response when outlets like the liberal PBS claim that, quote, black and Hispanic women have the most to lose if Roe is overturned is to say, no, in fact, minorities have the most to gain if abortion is restricted because fewer of them will be killed before birth. Amen. We will have more black and Hispanic children, so let's find ways to care for them, not kill them. Yeah. As for the charge that women and minority groups face more obstacles accessing alternative options, that's a problem pro-lifers have been leading the charge to solve since, since before Roe. Pro-lifers should keep a ready list of local support services constantly in their phones, wallets, and ears in order to be able to help expectant women they encounter and thus disprove this charge with real local data about trusted resources in their area. And if anybody tells you minority women should have unlimited license to abort their children because they don't know about other options, your best and most obvious response is to give them an easily accessible list of those other options. That's right. And to wrap this up, finally, the best pro-life response to the role, to the role left is, of course, prayer. Because our struggle, as St. Paul says, is not against flesh and blood, but with an evil that has sought the blood of children since the beginning of human history. Yeah, this is the demon god Moloch. And for 2,000 years... The Catholic Church has come to the aid of mothers and, and children like no other religion. We should be unafraid to claim that heritage and stand strong for the most vulnerable among us today. Terry? Amen. You can go to CatholicVote.org for that article. Jess, well said. Jess, the next topic we have is, this is a question about how common are near-death experiences? I think when we share the numbers, I think people will be surprised. Go ahead. Uh, you know, Terry, uh, what this... The Catholic Church uh, teaches that. Yes, I like this article because science yep. is now teaching what the Jews and Catholics have taught for thousands and thousands of years. What is that? That we have a soul. Because this flies in the face of Darwinian evolution. We don't have a soul. We are just a hodgepodge of protoplasm and veins and sinews and bones and tissues and cells that are traveling at the speed of light colliding into each other, making matter. No. 
science is now demonstrating that we have a soul. How do we know that? They're called near-death experiences, NDEs. And they're reported by an estimated 200,000 Americans a year. Hmm. And studies around the world suggest that near-death experiences are a common human experience. They've been, they've been recorded in the folklore of many cultures and recorded by people from diverse backgrounds and in widely varying circumstances. So whatever the explanations behind them, near-death experiences have a significant impact on many people. And this just reminds me, uh, Cardinal Ratzinger once said years ago, he says, those that don't embrace the truth in this lifetime will embrace the truth when they die. <laughs> in other words, Terry, people, yeah. when they die, they're realizing, whoa, the Catholics and Jews were right. Yep. I do have a soul, and I will be judged. Terry? Yeah. Jesse, one more comment about this. is I've seen it on YouTube, near-death experiences. If you just Google that, you can watch so many people talk about their near-death experiences. Some of them are really profound, and some of them are having diabolical uh, near-death mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. And you've played these on Jesus 911, where people have been uh, really scared, and, and we call it imperfect contrition, where they're back and saying, I'm not going to live the way I was living because I was going to hell. Remember that, Jess? And the person said, not now. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to follow the commandments. I'm going to f- love Jesus. And that near-death experience was God's megaphone to get his attention from that painful thought of going to hell. That's why yeah. I think, Jesse, that topic of teaching people th- that there is hell, and they say, no, oh, that's too hard. Don't tell people that. You'll scare them. You know what, Jess? It's reality, okay? That's why these near-death experiences have changed people's lives for the better that I've read. All right, Here's Jess. One, let, me, let me just share this one paragraph from this article. It says, um, a survey of 2,000 people in Germany yeah. published in the Near-Death Studies Journal mm-hmm found 4% had experienced a near-death experience out of 2,000 people. Wow. Now, in 1982, a Gallup poll found that 15% yeah, of all not. Americans mm-hmm. who had almost died under widely varying circumstances reported a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. And here's the way it breaks down. About 9% report of, of Americans reported the classic out-of-body experience. 11% of Americans said that they entered another realm. Yeah. And that's what we would call heaven or hell, another realm. 8% that had near-death experiences of Americans said they encountered spiritual beings. In other words, God, angels, demons. Mm -hmm. And only 1% of people that had near-death experiences had negative experiences. In other words, they probably encountered the devil or demons. And so, yeah, Terry, this is pretty well established in America. And this, uh, uh, the the only point of this article for me as a Catholic, I mean, I don't, is that it just confirms what the church has always taught, what I've always believed, yep. that here it is. We have a soul. Our soul will live on beyond the death of our body. Yep. Our soul will go before the presence of a mighty, holy God. Yep. We will be judged immediately. If you're in a state of sanctifying grace, you will be saved. Most people will go through purgatory to be purified, to be perfectly purified. If you're not in a state of sanctifying grace, if you're in a state of mortal sin, you will go to hell. It's final. Uh, there's no uh, do-overs. There's no uh, hey, uh, hey, coach, can I can can I get a participation trophy? I, I, nope. I gave it a good try. No, it's a one and done uh, uh, life on earth. We we are on a very stage right now. We're performing for God, 
and we're performing every single day by our words and by our actions. Every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. What's happening today, Jesse, is pleasure is taking over. Mm. Everything is about make me feel good. And that way, when we talk about heaven and hell and purgatory, the, fi- the four last things and in a final judgment, people don't want to hear that. But you know what? Here at Virgin Most Powerful, I don't know of a show that we do that doesn't talk about judgment and how important it is to get right with God. Because that's the whole point of Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As a matter of fact, Jess, I want to plug the men's conference that's coming up on the 17th of June here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. You're going to be there. Uh, Ruben Nava will be there. I'll be there. People can go to to uh, vmpr.org to register for that. And this weekend, if you're up in Northern California, just tell them about where you're going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be at St. Mary's Catholic Church this Saturday from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. with Doug Berry. Mm-hmm. It's in Oakdale, California for the 7th Annual Northern California Men's Conference. Awesome. Uh, St. Mary's Catholic Church, Oakdale, California. When we come back, this is an article. We won't have enough time to do it all, but it, it's about Bill Gates funding research that's created a bird flu virus capable of becoming the new COVID-19. My line on all this is follow the money. Mr. Gates, Fucci, Apache, and all those, they're making billions. The, the pharmaceutical companies are making billions on us. And we're going to talk about how that all happens and how you need to be a high-information Catholic here on Virgin Most Powerful on the Terry and Jesse Show. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Gates is funding research. He, ha- he has created a bird flu virus <laughs> capable of becoming the new COVID-19. Terry, this guy's not a doctor. No. doesn't have a science degree. He sure knows this how to guy make money. Ha- <laughs> yeah, he knows how to make money. But he's always involved, Terry, in programs to depopulate planet Earth. Yeah, what's that all about? And we've already shown people on YouTube. He said that very clearly, so that's very clear. Jesse, a story at a glance, because we got one segment here. As the news of the COVID pandemic winds down around the world, we're suddenly seeing warnings of another pandemic brewing, this bird flu. Uh, Okay, it's H5N1. The natural bird flu is notoriously harmless to humans, but here's with, here it is, Jesse. Bill Gates and Dr. Anthony Fauci has, for many years, funded research to develop a bird flu a pathogen capable of infecting human beings. That's called, that's called gain-of-function exactly. research. Yeah, where they take a he virus it. And, and they make it stronger in order to yes. kill people. And Jesse, go ahead, hit number three, billet, the third. Some billet. of that research has been undertaken in Pentagon-funded biolabs in Ukraine. Interesting. In case you're wondering why Putin is upset. Yeah, you think? Yeah, and Gates, Bill Gates funded the research by Dr. Yoshiro Kawaoka, in which the bird, blue, bird flu virus was mixed with the 2009 H1N1 swine flu virus, creating an airborne hybrid capable of evading the human human immune system, effectively rendering humans defenseless against it. In other words, Terry, masks won't stop it. Uh, exactly. even, and what they'll do with this, they'll do what they, they're doing in China. Yeah. They'll lock everybody up in their house. Everybody <laughs> will be basically in prison at home because they're going to say, oh, you can't go outside because we have this, this airborne virus 
capable of being transmitted, so everybody must stay home. And I'm sure people aren't aware of this because I wasn't until I read the article. The U.S. and other countries have already started stockpiling the H5N1 vaccine and the H5N1 vaccine uh, Odin's, Odin's. Odin's is being marketed for 2022 as if it was a cure. The first ever H5N1 positive case was identified in the U.S. at the end of April of 2022. Yep, they're, they're absolutely on cue. They, get, they oh, finished yeah. one virus. Yep. It failed. Not enough people died. Okay, let's come with another one. Yep. Oh, okay. Not enough people died. Let's start a let's start a war. Yep. Terry, these globalists. Let's just just be honest. Be honest, yes. One of the things that they have in common with demons is yep. that demons and these globalists both are fascinated with death. That's true. They have this inordinate fascination with death. Just like Satan, the the father of, you know, he's a murderer and a liar from the very beginning. Uh, and again, some of these guys, imagine all the good that Gates can do with his money oh Gary, to gosh. build a culture of life. Oh, my gosh. And, and he's an old man. Yep. His, his exit interview is right around the corner. And God allowed him to have a lot of resources. But this man has misused his resources and continues to misuse them. Yeah. Jesse, there's so much in this article that people can go to LifeSite News to get. But just think about this past bird flu hoaxes. In 2005, I forgot this, Jesse. I don't remember. President George Bush, U.S. officials warned bird flu would kill 2 million Americans and 150 million globally. You know, it was a ridiculous threat that never materialized. But it did further the bioweapons industrial complex. Gain-of-function research was funded into the tunes of billions of dollars and justified as necessary for the development of vaccines. Continue, Jess. It was a real it was really a dual use program to create bioweapons, these past bird flu hoaxes, that could then enrich Big Pharma. And that's what it's all about. Big Pharma gets rich and Big Pharma writes big fat checks to these politicians. Yeah. In two thousand and six, uh I became so convinced by the evidence against the possibility, by the way, uh a doctor who wrote this, Mercola, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Mercola. Wrote this. Yeah. He says, I became so convinced by the evidence against the possibility of a bird flu pandemic that I wrote the book, The Great Bird Flu Hoax, yep. detailing the massive fraud involved. The book went on to become a New York Times bestseller. In it, I explained three points, Dr. Mercola says. Mm-hmm. Multinational drug companies and food corporations pour billions into manipulating your perception of health wow. and the daily news just to increase their profits and the health threats and ethics breaches. Wow. They are really responsible for. Number yep. two, scientists are bought by drug companies and other big businesses to report whatever research findings they have been paid to report. By the way, that's where Fauci comes in. This guy, exactly. This guy's getting some big fat paychecks from yep. Big Pharma yep. to, to say exactly the party line. Number three. Government is more than just complicit. Government actually works with the drug companies and other stalwarts of the conventional health care paradigm wow. and is directly responsible for raising false alarms in order to draw your attention away from the real public health and safety issues they perpetuate. Unbelievable, Jesse. In years since, threats of the bird flu or swine flu pandemic have emerged several times, yet the outcome is always the same. Nothing. In 2009, the pandemic experts used fear to hype the swine flu, causing millions to roll up their sleeves 
for the Fast Track 2009 H1N1 vaccine. Who made money on that, Jess? I wonder. Hmm. Now, it was exceptionally reactive, harming far more people than the virus itself. Still, the injuries from the H1N1 vaccine are a drop in the bucket compared to the injuries caused by experimental mRNA COVID shots. Well said. What about 2013, Jess? Yeah, in uh, 2013, mutated bird flu was back again yep. with the World Health Organization calling it, quote, one of the most lethal strains, close yep. quote. But while it reportedly killed 22 in China, researchers could find no evidence of sustained transmission between people, which is a prerequisite for a pandemic flu virus. In the end, the pandemic narrative went nowhere. And on May 26, Dr. Mercola contacted by the Associated Press reporter David Klepper, yep. who asked whether he still felt that the, the, the avian flu is a hoax and whether he's changed his mind about the possibility of a human bird flu pandemic. In light of our recent experience with COVID-19, Dr. Mercola says, and the current outbreaks in poultry, the short answer is no, I have not. Bird flu is heavily present in the U.S., and millions of birds are, are currently being culled, but the natural virus is not very transmissible or lethal to humans. If we do end up with a lethal human bird flu, there's every reason to suspect it was man-made. There's also every reason to suspect a bird flu vaccine will be either ineffective, hazardous, or both. So, Terry, this is the new... That's right. This is the new uh, concoction yes. that's being ginned up by the globalists to try to <clears throat> depopulate planet Earth. Notice the way they use these nice euphemistic words. Not kill as many people as we can. It's <clears throat> depopulate planet Earth. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, yes, Terry. the doctor said the federal government has completely failed American people. I would agree with that. And continues to lie about the gain-of-function research. Hundreds of bioweapon laboratories are operating around the world. Hundreds, Jesse? Hmm. Wow. And U.S. researchers are collaborating with them utilizing the NIH taxpayer funds. They are jeopardizing millions of lives with enriching themselves. Uh, yeah, you're not kidding. That's called getting rich. Yeah. Pharmaceutical companies. Vaccine passports will be leveraged to roll out a long-planned digital identification system combined with digital currencies. That's See, everything, this is where it all comes down to. It will allow for complete control of transactions based on compliance and behavior. If the bird flu becomes a highly transmissible and lethal to humans, it will be engineered virus from where? U.S. or Chinese government-funded biolabs. Yep. Wow. They want to track us. It's, it's the mark of the beast uh, spoken of in the book of Revelation. They want to keep uh, <laughs> these, uh, these globalists like Bill Gates, Soros, and, and other Warren Buffett and others, yeah. Klaus Schwab. Yeah, he's another one. Uh, and, and the medical dictator, Anthony Fauci, because that's what he is. They want to reduce the population on planet Earth through abortion, contraception, global warming, climate change, sustainable development. Now this uh, this bird flu. Uh, who knows what else they have up their sleeve? But I can tell you this. They plan on euthanizing the world slowly right. through whatever they can, you know, gain a function, research, vaccines, viruses. Uh, this is th these global totalitarians. They're worse than the virus, Terry. Yeah. Well, here's the good news, though. All that is, you know, scary, right? But you know what's not scary? Is that <laughs> we know the end of the story. We win. And all of these people who are doing these horrible things of killing people, there's going to be accountability for them. But what can we do? Hey, 
We can do our daily duty. Jesse, you mentioned that at the beginning of the show. Be holy. That's yep. the answer to all of this. Yep, we're supposed to be. We're supposed to trust in Jesus, not Fauci or Biden. That's the message of the Holy Bible. That's the message of the Catholic faith. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. And don't worry about who can kill the body. The Bible says only fear God who can kill the body and the soul, Matthew 10, 28. Remember, God decides when we die, not COVID, not the bird flu, not Gates, not Fauci. St. Paul feared nothing, not even death. In fact, he said in the Bible, in Philippians 1, 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Remember that. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's why all the early Catholic martyrs, they all saw death as a positive option. Yep. I do. Terry does. Yep. I hope you do as well. Yes. And again, I want to thank all of you who are supporting here us at Virgin Most Powerful. I just got word, good news. I'll tell everybody, our, our uh, Bishop Joseph Strickland show just got picked up on a large station, the largest station in Ohio. Uh, Praise the Lord. In Cleveland, big, big city. Yeah. And we couldn't do it without you, our supporters. So we're getting, we're reaching more people. More of the stations are realizing that Jesse and Terry and Strickland and all these shows that we put on, we're not crazy. Yeah, we're crazy about our love for Jesus yeah. Christ, okay? We're, we're fools for Christ. We're fools for Christ, as St. Paul would say. Yeah. yeah. But here's the point. We couldn't do it without you. And I just want to take a minute to thank all of our monthly donors, people who make donations to us to keep the electricity on, Keep us paying for our engineers, our people who make these things happen behind the scenes. Jesse, myself, and all the other radio hosts, yeah, we're visible. I get that. But trust me, the people behind the scenes are doing just as important work Amen. as we are. And I want to thank you. You can go to vmpr.org if you'd like to become a monthly donor. We send you all kinds of material. Jesse, I end every show with you by saying, what state should we be living in, brother? Live in a state of grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Don't be afraid of the bird flu. Be afraid of living and dying in mortal sin. The virus against us is sin, and the only vax that we're going to push on VMPR is called the blood of Jesus. It's called the Holy Eucharist. Remember, as St. Peter says, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Be holy or die trying. And remember, we want to pray for all these wicked men and women that are infecting us with their natural, you know, fall to sin. Remember, Our Lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's pray for them. Let's make sacrifices for the conversion of sinners, as Our Lady of Fatima has told us to do so many times. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Holy Thursday. Make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament tonight. It's a great day to do it. God bless you and your family.